Here in Proverbs chapter 7, we read in verse 1, the words of Solomon to his son. He says, My son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. And so here in the beginning, uh, Solomon is telling his son to keep, to treasure, to bind, to tie it up, to write these words within you on the tablet of your heart. He says, let God's word be the apple of your eye. And so it's interesting what he says there in verse 4, say to wisdom, go ahead and say it, go ahead and speak it, say it. You are my sister. That's an interesting word in the Hebrew. That word there is used in the Song of Solomon when Solomon calls his beloved his sister, his spouse. There's something very special here. Go ahead, say it. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. To, to value understanding, he says right there, as you would kin. You know, like close family. And again, it's kind of interesting as he doesn't just dive into it. A lot of times you see it in the book of Proverbs where he's just telling you, man, make sure that you have in your heart the priority to be wise, to grow. I always say it like this way, as a wise guy, a wise gal, because it's not going to come automatically. What, what we have to do is we have to be in the word. You know, why would you want to do that? What's the reason? Well, he says there in verse 5 that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. You know, part of the, the reason is the proverbial protection from seduction. You know, when that immoral man or that immoral woman comes and flatters you and sweeps you off your feet, and again, not to freak you out, but I promise you guys, you got to know this, whoever you are, young, old, you know, good looking, buff, not so good looking, whatever, over, out of, out of shape, it doesn't matter, man. They're going to come after you, the devil. People in the world will come after you to try to trip you up and to trap you in. That's what we see right here. So let me ask you a question. If you haven't been in the Word, if you haven't been reading your Bible, if you haven't been hungering and thirsting to, to listen to, to Bible studies and to take it in, then how are you going to make it? I mean, a lot of times when I see it and it just breaks my heart and I can't make it happen and I want to put some legalistic burden on you, but you're not going to thrive if you're not in the Word, opening up your Bible and reading it. And if you're out there and you're like, well, I don't really have a hunger for that, then something's wrong. What that basically means is that you're hungering for the things of this world. You got to be so careful, just like in the physical realm, you know, if you eat junk food, um, my pastor used to always say, you are what you eat. And so if you're filling in on all the other stuff and then you don't have really a hunger for the Bible, I mean, that's really a heart check. There's a lot of people out there and what we'll do, and I have to even watch my own life is, you know, we like all these other movies, but for whatever reason, we're not really interested in Christian movies. Why not? 
You know, there's a message there. And so what, what Solomon is saying is that, you know, bind this, make this the apple of your eye. And, and what that is, is if I were to look at the pupil of your eye, I would see the Bible right there because that's what you're reading. Man, make sure you write it on your heart because what it'll do is it'll protect you from the way that the enemy is going to trip you. He's going to try to trip you and trap you. Solomon basically has seen it um, firsthand. I think we all have seen it. And he gives us this visual right here. Notice in in verse 6, he says, For at the, the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding. I mean, he kind of was looking out his his window and there he sees a youth, a young man, a simple young man is what he describes him as. And as you're going through the Proverbs, you're going to see that word simple uh, repeated and it refers to basically an open-minded person. They haven't really learned the, the skills of living life. They don't really have that wisdom and they're open to the wisdom of the world. The values and voice of the current culture. They don't know the Bible. They haven't really developed a grid of theology from which they can test everything. They only have developed a worldly mentality. It's, it's simplicity. That's what he's saying. This is the simple one. Our minds are so open, like I told you before. So open. You're so open that sometimes the brains fall out. That's kind of what he's saying right here. You know, sometimes they're even smart and they're super smart and they got a degree, but they lack wisdom. And they get hooked up with the worst kind of person, the the kind of people that have sex before marriage or sex outside of marriage, the same kind of people that think it's okay to do that kind of stuff as long as it's mutual or as long as it's legal. And and it, and we'll be seeing you guys and my prayers you know, uh, that we would die with integrity. I'm 53 years old. David fell when he was 50. I know I'm not out of the woods. Any guy that's honest will tell you that, man, we have this draw. And if we don't fill our hearts with the word, if we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, I mean, one thing could very quickly and easily lead to another thing. And the enemy's already setting you up. He's already saying, well, that girl right there or that situation right there. And that's why in my life, I know I have to be in the word. This young guy, he's a young man. He's a simple man. He's caught up in open-minded and worldly mentality. And Solomon says, I saw the whole thing happen. You know, one of the tough parts in all this can often be that the young people are so sure that their parents are so wrong or that those pastors or those preachers or those Bible thumpers, they don't have a clue of what's really going on in the world. You know, they have that mentality. Let me, let me tell you, man, it's a, it's a horrible place to be when you're a young person and you're a know-it-all. I'm, I'm still learning. I, I listen to everybody. I never say, well, no, I'm not going to listen to them. I'm telling you, man, I listen to people that God puts in my life and I test and I sift through everything. We have to be so careful that we don't become open-minded only to the world and closed-minded to the people who love us. Solomon says, listen, I saw it with my own eyes. It was a young man 
devoid of understanding. Passing along the street, he says there in verse 8, near her corner, and he took the path to her house. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And so this guy, if Solomon sees it, man, he's, he shouldn't have been anywhere near there. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Solomon calls it twilight. And so the sun is setting and it's quickly going to turn into the black and dark night. And at the end of the day, to, to be honest, that's when most of the, the bad things happen. Uh, not to sound weird or legalistic or anything like that, but it's kind of good to, you know, that, that, that phrase, early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Sometimes what ends up happening, and, and I was listening to a study today, and he was saying a lot of these guys, they go on their computers late at night, in the wee hours of the night. They go on their phone in the wee hours of the night, and they start looking at things or hooking up with people in the darkness. And Solomon says, here's this guy, this young guy. He goes, and uh, he's close to where she is in a time when he shouldn't be there. You've heard that phrase, in the wrong place at the wrong time. And so it says in verse 10, and there a woman met him with the attire of a, a harlot and a crafty heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. For any, any guy, this is big time bait, unless you're like dead or something, you know, because she's dressed seductively. She has a low top on. She's, in our days, this is how she would be dressed, not just attractively for her husband, but seductively to seduce. You know, ladies, it's okay to look neat and attractive for your man, but man, this gal, she's dressed uh, seductively with that low top showing a ton of skin, tight clothes to where she can barely breathe, short skirt, high heels. And, you know, when he describes her, it's not just the clothes uh, on the outside. Uh, primarily, really, it's the heart on the inside. Notice again, we read in verse 10, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. It's got nothing to do with Pinterest, in case you're wondering what that craftiness is. It has everything to do with that. She's interested in making somebody fall. She wants to make this man fall. What I want from this guy, or, or, or you could switch it around. You know, what I want from this girl. And I'll tell you girls that are, that are out there, that's what those guys want. There's one thing they want. It's sex. And so what we see right here is, hey, a lot of times we see the adulterous man, the adulterous lady, and they see it as quite an accomplishment if I can make that guy fall. And over the years, I've been a pastor now, man, for a long time, decades. I've been a Christian for, you know, 30 years. And I have seen so many families destroyed men with a calling on their life stripped of that calling because they didn't read their proverbs they didn't get the power they can you know get from reading proverbs five six and seven or proverb a day kind of keeps the devil away there's something to that you guys and so you know you got to know she's out there she's out to get what she wants she's not a homebody notice in verse 12 it says at times she was outside, at times in the open square. 
lurking at every corner. And so she caught him and kissed him with an impudent or, or a shameless face. And she said to him, I have peace offerings with me today. I have paid my vows. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. And what we find is this, this is a perfect storm. You know, you haven't been reading your Bible. You haven't been communing with God. You haven't really been praying the way that you should. You're distant. You're weak. I mean, there's no way you can be strong if you're not saturating yourself in the scriptures. How can we be strong if we haven't been in the Bible? And so there you are. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, spiritually and geographically. It's dark and that part of the city, that vicinity, that website, that chat room, that relationship that you're beginning to develop with a person who's not a Christian, a person you don't even really know. And a lot of times what ends up happening is people begin to fall in love in social media. And so it's no surprise. You know, when the day comes and somehow, some way, she hooks him. Somehow, some way, he, you know, he hooks her. You know, in this case, it's a kiss, but it's not always a kiss. There's just something where something clicks. And all of a sudden, man, those two uh, have fallen head over heels with each other. You know, and then just the seduction, it just continues. One step at a time, here we see that this gal right here caught him, it says in verse 13, and kissed him shamelessly. And she says in verse 14, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. And so in the Hebrew uh, religion, you would take your uh, sacrifice to the, the temple and then you would then you know, give some when it was a peace offering or a fellowship offering. You give some meat to the priest and then you keep some for yourself. And so she says, we, I have dinner cooked. It's going to be great. I have meat. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Uh, listen, and you got to know this. You got to know this. Just because someone says they're a Christian, it doesn't mean they're a Christian. Maybe even you're watching and you say you're a Christian and you're not really a Christian. Have you truly submitted your life to Jesus Christ? Did you know that when Jesus called people to be Christians, you know what he said? He said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. See, when it comes to being a Christian, you have to deny yourself. You have to die to self. You have to take up that cross and follow him. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't say, well, I'm a Christian, but I go ahead and I you know, look at porn. Or, I'm a Christian, I go ahead and I sleep with my girlfriend. Now, I'm a Christian and I get high and I get drunk. I'm a Christian and I'm gay. No, you have to deny yourself and follow him. You have to let go of the sin and take your hand and put it in Jesus' hand and say, Lord, Jesus, you are the master of my life. See, it goes for us, people who are maybe even attending church or watching church. There has to be that commitment. 
And then it also goes for others. So you go and you meet somebody, and maybe you meet them at church. I remember there was this one guy. I mean, over the years, I can tell you about so many wolves. But I remember there's this one guy. Uh, he wanted to take uh, um, my, my girlfriend to church and give her a ride to church or there's something like that. And, um, and, and, and I don't know. Or, my, or actually, no, this is what it was. He needed a ride to church. And he wanted my girlfriend to take him. So um, there was something about that that didn't settle well. It turns out that this guy eventually had someone else take him. And he ended up being a wolf. So there are a lot of guys that come to church that are not Christians because they're looking like, like, like Timothy, like Paul wrote to Timothy, for gullible women, for women who maybe are not willing to wait. And so what we're saying right here, it doesn't matter if she has her peace offerings. It doesn't matter if she went to the temple. It doesn't matter if she paid her vows. This girl was not a Christian, even though she's saying, hey, I'm a believer. Right? So what ends up happening is she catches him and she kisses him. But by that time, man, it's too late. You know, what we find is that she tells this guy, you're the one. I've, I've been looking for you. That's what she says. I, I have peace offerings today and you're the one. And I've been waiting for you. Came out to meet you, to seek you. I found you. And let me tell you a little bit about my bed. It's so soft. It feels so good. It smells so good. There's tapestry, colored coverings, Egyptian linens. I bet you never felt those things. The perfume, the myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Feels good. Smells good. Listen, it's all good. And, and, and what we find is this, that, that storm, man, how the, the affairs happen. People, here it is. Listen for a second. People you would have never thought it would happen to them. Or people who thought it would never happen to me. Those are the ones. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 2, it talks about how if we're not diligent, we'll, we can drift away. And we can go through the motions. But the Lord knows that our hearts are far, even though our lips are near and that's why it's so important that we you know we just stay close to jesus i know without him there's no way i could survive i pray that you would know the same thing you know single people with a calling on their lives they fall and they fall hard and i've seen it happen over the years you know and the church gets weak why because that one who was supposed to be a pillar in the church is gone because of this. You know, only God knows if they'll ever fully recover. To me, I think that anyone can be restored. It just depends on the extent of the degree of your repentance. God can forgive anyone of anything, but it doesn't always mean that everything goes back to what it was. As a matter of fact, this sin is so dangerous that it doesn't usually go back to what it was. You know, David is a prime example of that. Uh, everything changed after he fell with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah. His family suffered. Uh, even though God forgave him, God spared him, he had to pay the price. And the Bible says that. Psalm 99, 99 verse 8, it says, O Lord our God, you answered them. You were a forgiving God to them but you punished them when they went wrong. 
The New King James says that they, they suffered the consequences. That's kind of what he's saying right there. And so in other words, there are consequences even for forgiven sin. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, that we reap what we sow. And so what we're, what we're saying, and, and, I, and I know, you know that you might be out there and you might be thinking, well, I'm good. I, I don't think I'll ever have to deal with that. Um, I just encourage you to always have your, your, your guard up and be careful on this. They say that prevention is the best medicine. May it never happen to us. Stay pure. How? By staying powerful. Don't allow the immoral man or woman to ever convince you that it's love. That's what we see right here in verse 18. Notice what she says. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Listen, it doesn't matter how much he might make your heart pitter-patter. It doesn't matter if that's what he's asking of you, if you're not married to that person, if that's what they're open to, if he wants that from you, then he does not love you. It's lust. It's the flesh. It's selfish. It's sin. It's not love. And so we have to be careful. Uh, we have to be smart. We have to be wise. You know, a person, a lot of times they, they feel like, well, I can do this. And uh, as a matter of fact, there are some people, I bet you that go to Calvary Chapel Almighty, who've been doing this. And they think, well, I've been doing this for a while now. And I have a system. And I'm not going to get caught. Listen, um, you're going to get caught. The guy's going to shout it from the rooftops. And if you don't get caught on this side of time, then you're even in more trouble. You're going to have to stand before God because the Bible says that there's no sexually or immoral person or adulterer who will enter the kingdom of God. And so we have to know we're going to get caught. Even though she tries to convince him that they won't get caught. The enemy will tell you that, right? Oh, let's just do it the once and, and then no one will ever have to know. Listen, she convinces this naive young man. Look at verse 19. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him and he'll come home on the appointed day. And so with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him you're you're gonna get caught you know and i would even say this uh, again it's kind of interesting how it can happen even in the church especially if you're a christian i was reading a remember back in 2017 there was a that dating service i can't remember the name of it ashley something and uh you know they had all these guys on there and supposedly that dating service uh, was one where they said, you know, we're going to keep everything uh, confidential. No one will ever find out. Um, but then when it became public, uh, somehow someone hacked into their computer system. You had pastors on there. You had famous people, famous Christians on there. People that were on this one show, the, the Duggars or whatever, the Duggars, I don't know. I mean, that, that ruined them. You know, families, business owners, people that were... You know, famous, it all got exposed. Why? Because eventually, the Bible says, your sin will find you out. We read that there in Numbers 32, 
23. She says, listen, my husband, he's on a long journey. He took money with him. That means for sure he's going to be gone for a while. As a matter of fact, we have a day that he's supposed to come back and man, it's not going to happen. And so she seduced him, caused him to yield. And what we find is that her husband is going to come. You know, I recently read a story of a man who was working out in the field with his wife. And he had to leave her and take care of some business. But the plans got changed. And so he returned to the field only to find his wife naked with his cousin. So the man took the machete he had in his hand and he hacked his cousin to death. Now I'm not saying that's right. All I'm saying is that it happens. And the Bible talks about that. Look what it says here in verse 22. Immediately he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. He did not know it would cost his life. Why didn't he know it would cost his life? Because he didn't read the Bible. Because it didn't sink into his heart. Maybe he read it and he forgot. He didn't tattoo it on his heart. I mean, here he says, uh, it's like an ox going to the slaughter. Can you visualize the ox moseying on along to the slaughterhouse, having no idea that his throat is about to be slit? You know, it's the, the fool to the correction of the stocks. You know, here's this guy. He's excited and they're planning out the crime. Little does he know that he's going to get busted and he's going to do big time. That's what this is. You know, here's the bird. He says it's like a bird that hastens to the snare. The bird is hungry. The bird is in a hurry. And it doesn't know that the next stage of life will be a cage of life. And what God does here is is he warns us. I tell you what, and I ta- bet you I'll talk to the brothers here. I mean, it's fearful. I fear God. I fear my wife. It's a good thing, man. You know, to know that there's consequences, man. I will not go near that because it will ruin me. You know, what a fool. He did not know it would cost his life. Sometimes it's literal where they die physically. Other times, I think in one sense, it's circumstantial. You know, life, life, you didn't know it would cost your life. Life is now less than it was supposed to be from the eyes of the Almighty. And so, having said all those things, um, he gives the application in verse 24. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. You know, and and he's just saying, you know, like, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. Most of you guys probably have. Um, when you're in a fight, you're, you know, your whole body, everything is, is, is part of this battle, you know? And so he says, listen, listen to me. There in verse 24, listen to me. And how do we listen as Christians? We listen with our, with our ears. We listen with our eyes as we're reading the Bible. 
God says, listen to me. I want your eyes. I want your ears. He says, pay attention to the words of my mouth. I want your mind. I want you to think these things through. He says right there, do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. I I want your eyes. I want your ears. I want your mind. I want your heart. And that's, I think, ultimately, inevitably, where the affairs begin. You know, in Proverbs chapter 5, we talked about how we want to, to be satisfied with the wife of our youth. We want to make sure that we are in a healthy, intimate relationship with our spouse. And if you're single, then you want to save yourself for your future spouse. And so, like they say in sports, a great defense is a great offense, so to speak. And so you keep that positive thing alive so that you can make sure that you have these negative things away from you. I want your eyes to be in the Bible. I want your ears to be listening to the Word. I want your mind to be thinking on things that are spiritual. I want your intellect. I want your heart, God says. Because a lot of times, I think over the years and what I've seen and talking to people and just seeing how life unfolds, is that's where it is. Like right now, there might be guys out there, there might be gals out there, that there's already someone other than their spouse that they are thinking about. A lot of times what ends up happening is there is an emotional fear. There is a, 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 a fleshly attraction. And that's why I always say you got to examine your heart. And if there is anyone at church or school or work or someone that you're getting too close to, then you gotta, you got to weed out that wickedness. You have to make sure that you never allow any lusts to linger. Billy Graham had such a great practice of never being alone with a woman. You know, because like I've told you guys before, and we've talked about this many times, that guys will struggle primarily in three areas, in, in money, in pride, and women. And those are the three things that will take a man down. And so like I always say, you know, be careful. Uh, don't go... Don't even touch the gold, don't touch the glory, and don't touch the girls. Keep healthy boundaries. Why? This is what you need to do. He says, I want your eyes, your ears, your mind, your heart. That's most important. And I want your feet. Notice he says right there in verse 25, do not stray into her paths. And so don't go near that, you guys. Don't go near that. Even for me, like on the computer, even for me, like when I'm going through my tablet, it's crazy because you read an article and all of a sudden there's this whatever, this image that's there. And I don't know about you, but like, yeah, my flesh wants to look. My flesh wants to feast. But you have to teach your eyes to bounce. And if there's something there that you should not be looking at because what ends up happening is that's feeding your flesh before you know it, that ugly lion's going to win, you've you got you to get away from it. You've got to get away from it. There's a, ra- there's a reason that movies have ratings. Why is that movie rated R? You know, and you check it out. Maybe there's things there. There's seduction. There's nudity. And you shouldn't be watching that as a Christian. Don't feed that to yourself. And so we don't let our feet stray into her path 
the path that the enemy has set up for godly men, many men, strong men to fall. Notice what she's done, to whom she's done it. It says again, for she has cast down many wounded and all who were slain by her were strong men. You know, I mean, I was reading this and looking at different translations and I don't know, it's interesting in the Hebrew language whether it's uh, someone that she makes fall and wounds them or if it's a guy who's already wounded. You know, and you're going through and you're, maybe you're having a hard time in, in life or you're going through your midlife crisis or whatever, you know, that you're having your struggles at home. She's cast down many wounded, it says, many. And all who were slain by her were strong men. And so at the end right here, it says in verse 27, that her house is the way to hell, ascending to the chambers of death. There are some people in hell right now waiting to go into the lake of fire because they didn't want to repent of their sexual sin. Think about that. It's crazy, but that's the truth. And so what he's saying right here is, listen, I want to give you all these warnings. I, I just don't want you to ever get near it. I want you to make sure that you are, are you would flee youthful lust. You'd be like Joseph. He's the the best poster child when he was being seduced by Potiphar's wife and the opportunity was there. He said, I can't do this to God. And he ran. That's what we need to do. You know, I, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, um, but every year, a thousand men die by electrocution. And so usually it's guys that are working and uh, they somehow accidentally get ex electrocuted and they die. And so having that understanding in, in my heart, you know, I, I know, well, people die from this, right? And so whenever I'm doing any electrical work, like recently I replaced a fan in my daughter's room. I replaced all the outlets because they were old. Whenever I, I do that, I'm like, man, I better be safe. And so uh, there's a few things I do. I go and I turn off the, the circuits that uh, give the power to her room. I use the right tools, ones that won't conduct electricity as much. And then I always tell somebody to be in the room just in case I get zapped. <laughs> I'm like, hey, if I, you know, zapped right now, do me a favor, call 911 or something, you know. But, but, but I just do, like, everything I can knowing this is deadly. You know, taking all the precautions necessary in order to make sure that I come out alive. And I know, you guys, this is a heavy, heavy topic. I don't know, you know, if you're out there and there might be one person that this might be what saved your life. This is such a powerful word. And, and again, like I, I've said before, and I encourage you in this, read a proverb every day. It's worth it. It takes about maybe five minutes and it will give you wisdom from above so that God will bless your life in so many ways. And of course we know the, the wisest thing to do and the very first step for anyone is to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Have you really done that? Is he really the Lord of your life? You know, he's so good. He died for you. He rose again. He's willing to wash away your sins so that they would be uh, forgiven and forgotten. The Bible says it will take your sins 
and he'll cast them as far as the east is from the west. Think about that. And he'll remember them no more. And he writes your name in the book of life. Think about that. So that when the Lord comes or when he calls us home, that you will be in heaven with him forever. It's not anything we could earn. It's something that we receive, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift that God wants to give you tonight is eternal life. And maybe you're there and you're with your family and you're in the living room or maybe you're listening to this on your phone or you're all alone and in your heart you don't really have that assurance that if you were to die today you'd go to heaven. Right now you can pray a prayer. You can be there with your family and say, I want to receive the Lord. I want to make sure. You know, if you want to do that, then I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ. Now, the prayer doesn't save you. i got to make sure that you understand that. It's your faith that saves you. But sometimes God uses a prayer, I know he did in my life, in order to bring you to that place of just bringing out that faith.